Hello everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Guelo Ramblings World Tour podcast. My name is Stephen Palmer, and you might know me from being the co-host of the Asian Cinema Film Club podcast with Mr. Elwood Jones, or maybe my writing for EasternKicks.com, or maybe from my Asian Cinema blog, GuelaRamblings.wordpress.com, which of course is where this podcast gets its name. If you want to know more about who I am and how we got here, I suggest you go back and listen to the first episode, then come back when you're all up to speed, or just stay and wing it. Either way, you are most welcome. Now, I guess we should start this podcast with an apology and a set of excuses. Although in the big scheme of things, I've done what I set out to do this year. I started this podcast in January 2019 intending to put out 12 monthly episodes wanting to introduce my listenership to movies that were neither created in Hollywood but also outside of my normal ballywick of Asian film and with this 12th episode hitting your feeds I've theoretically achieved this and if you count the three special episodes one could say I exceeded my goal regular listeners though will point out how this is the first episode in about four months the reasons and excuses for this are varied. Real life got in the way, with the day job taking more out of me in the second half of the year than I expected. I also got somewhat distracted by one of my other hobbies, collecting and fixing up 1980s Japanese 8-bit computers. And whilst this podcast might only be 15 or so minutes each time, it actually takes way more time than that to produce, as I do it fully scripted. My inherent laziness and ease of distraction basically meant that this was the activity that always got put off until well, tomorrow. Now although Guelo Ramblings got seemingly short shrift it also meant that I haven't contributed to easternkicks.com either this year with a single review to my name. Heck I even set up a new website for this podcast that I'm paying for that I've failed to properly sort out. These things do nag at me. On the other hand Elwood and I have turned the Asian Cinema Film Club into a bi-weekly podcast in the last few months. For me, that isn't an awful lot of extra work as Elwood does all the heavy lifting in terms of editing and production, but again, it does mean this podcast gets short shrift. And hopefully, you'll also know that I've been involved with another project, the In Their Own League website, that is dedicated to shining a light on female filmmakers. Other than the odd article, my role there is producing their podcasts. I occasionally appear on it, but my main focus is pulling together the words of their fantastic and diverse contributors and eventually producing what I hope is an entertaining show. Again, it's made me understand what hard work Elwood puts in on the ACFC show, but it's a rewarding opportunity and I'm happy to support the great people over there. But, as for Guelo Ramblings World Tour, well... This will be the last episode of what I'm calling Season 1. I'm proud of what I've done, I just wish I'd scheduled things a little better. I will be kicking off for Season 2 in 2020, although probably with a slightly different way of choosing the films. My current thought is to concentrate on a particular director or actor in each episode rather than do it by country. Or maybe I'll do it by genre. I'm just not sure. If you have any ideas or suggestions, please drop me a line. Anyway... You haven't come here to listen to me make excuses. Let's jump in the Guelo Ramblings RV and make our way across the Atlantic to the Central American country of Mexico and look at a couple of films that I hope you'll enjoy. 
Mexican cinema has always felt like a great entry point into world cinema to me. Its proximity to the United States, specifically California and Texas, means that there's always been some cross-cultural similarities, and the Spanish language and embedded Spanish culture has always meant it's fairly accessible to European viewers. With this in mind, let's have a look at a couple of Mexican movies that have certainly gained international acclaim. Alfonso Cuaron has not made many films, but along with contemporary Mexican directors such as Guillermo del Toro, has made the shift into Hollywood cinema incredibly successfully. He's garnered not one, but two Best Director Oscars, one for the visually stunning Gravity, and one for Roma, a film which has shaken up the commercial world of cinema by legitimising a movie distributed by Netflix. Adding to that what I consider the best of the Harry Potter films, The Prisoner of Azkaban, and one of the finest social message science fiction films of all time in Children of Men, and you can see he has a cinematic CV that stands up against just about anyone. This episode though, I want to draw your attention to E tu Mama Tambien, or Also Your Mother, one of only two Spanish language feature films he made in his homeland. And we'll label it, I guess we'll call it an erotic comedy road movie. It tells the story of two 17-year-old Mexican boys. Julio, played by Gael García Bernal, a middle-class son of a family of academics. And Tenoch, played by Diego Luna, who is the son of a high-ranking political family. The film opens with them both making energetic love to their respective girlfriends who are off for a summer trip together in Italy. All parties express a desire for fidelity whilst they are apart, but as soon as the girls fly off, the boys settle into a summer of drink, recreational drugs, bravado-filled sex chat and masturbation. The boys meet Luisa, played by Maribel Verdu, at a society wedding. She is the Spanish wife of Tenoch's cousin, and their immature attempts at hitting on her are brushed off by the slightly older woman with their invented story of taking a road trip to some mythical beach initially ignored. Louisa, however, gets some bad news when her husband drunkenly admits to an affair. She decides to call the boys bluff, and the three embark on a journey across Mexico. On the journey, they find out much about themselves, their friendship, and, of course, about sex. At its most basic level, this is a frothy sex comedy, with plenty of energetic, lustful and quite graphic moments. Do not watch this film if you're offended by flashes of flaccid male members. It shows how sex can unite, but also how it can create divides, betrayals, jealousies. But that's just the tip of what this film wishes to cover. It also has much to say of society and class in contemporary Mexico, with our three protagonists from the middle and upper tiers of society constantly coming across the lower echelons of society. It shows off the affluence of the ruling classes against the hand-to-mouth poverty of those less fortunate. And I can't help feeling that Luisa's Spanish nationality is a metaphor for the Spanish invaders several centuries before that destroyed the civilization from whom Tenoch gets his Aztec name. Above all, though, this is a film about death. We are regularly interrupted by an omniscient narrator who brings our attention to deaths both past and present that occur along the trip. 
including the tale of Luisa's first love, who died in a motorcycle crash at 17. It's a story about sex and death, about two fundamental forces in our existence, a film about the things that hold us back, whether it be the boy's homoerotic relationship that can't ever be fully fulfilled or accepted, or about the pressures of their families to study what they are told. It wants to show us that we should seize the day and live like the foam on a wave, but also that sadly this isn't always possible. Itumama Tambien doesn't give us the answers, it just shows us the possibilities. It ends in a dark place, with a death that is both unexpected and yet fully signposted, and with a friendship that looked like it would last forever, broken and unfixable. Look beyond the nudity and energetic sex, and realise this is a story about life and death, friendship and betrayal, the haves and the have-nots, and probably most importantly, never assume what tomorrow might look like. If Cuaron is part of a group of Mexican directors that made a successful jump to Hollywood, then the director of our next movie has to be considered one of the next to potentially get that opportunity. Issa Lopez is a successful writer-director in our homeland. With a CV of mostly frothy comedies, she broke internationally with this film, Tigers Are Not Afraid, or Velvuen, which means return in Spanish. Lopez shows us another view of modern Mexico, with an unnamed city being devastated from the effects of the Mexican government's war on the drug cartels. For the last 13 years, hundreds of thousands of people have lost their lives to this conflict, either directly or via collateral damage. Lopez uses the film to highlight the plight of the thousands of children that are orphaned, undocumented and left to their own devices, with a crime drama infused with elements of horror and magical realism. We are introduced to Estrella, the 13-year-old schoolgirl whose mother has been taken by the local cartel, the Huescas, who appear to have a sideline in human trafficking. As the film opens, her school day is interrupted by gunfire outside, and her teacher presses three pieces of chalk into Estrella's hand, telling her that they are her three wishes. Estrella, unaware of her mother's fate, waits at home, and carelessly uses one of her wishes to ask for her mother to come home. Eventually, she links up with a group of young homeless orphan boys, led by Shine, who has recently stolen the gun and mobile phone from one of the Huesca's henchmen. Shine outwardly leads the gang fearlessly, inspiring them with tales of tigers, who he tells them are brave and unafraid. Inwardly, though, he is racked with shame, as he didn't take the opportunity to kill the henchmen when stealing the gun. This phone becomes key to the plot, not only contains a photo of Shine's mother, but on it has a clue to the final fate of Estrella's mother, and therefore is vitally important for the gang to retrieve. The children play a fatal game of cat and mouse, of deals and double crosses with the gang. But remember those three wishes. Like the story of the monkey's paw, one must be careful what they wish for. Estrella's mother has indeed returned from her grave, but as a plastic-wrapped corpse, intent on revenge. 
Australia's second wish facilitates a death that stops her from actually becoming a murderer and gives her the right of passage to join Shiny and his group of lost boys. But at the cost of exposing their existence and the valuable artefact they hold. And as for that third wish, well... Remember these are children. Life has forced them to grow up. But they are still young and not always able to process the world around them. This is where the magical realism of the movie comes in. Lines of blood follow Estrella, chalk graffiti comes alive, a bracelet charm flies around, a cuddly plush toy tiger gains sentience. And there are ghosts, ghosts of the Huesca's victims, and the ghosts of the members of Shiny's gang who do not survive. Lopez pulls few punches with her film. Characters die who would maybe traditionally not be the ones you'd expect to do so, and their deaths are sharp and violent. What she doesn't do is populate the film with supernatural shocks and there are only a few jump scares. The ghosts in this film are more akin to those found in Asian cinema, appearing in the edges of scenes and the sounds of their animated corpses wrapped in plastic far more threatening than their physical presence and their thirst for vengeance outstrips a real desire to terrify and scare. Let's spend time too looking at the marvellous performances of the child actors here, all untrained, picked from 600 candidates, all in front of the camera for the very first time. Paolo Lara as Estrella, the one Ramon Lopez as El Shine, carry the film on their backs effortlessly, with both a wiseness beyond their years, but still retaining a youthful innocence that the parts require. Is it a perfect film? Maybe not. Although magical realism very much has its roots in Latin American literature and cinema, it could be possible that a couple of the elements used here may take some of the audience out of the drama at a critical juncture. I'm thinking specifically the animated tiger toy. Australia's move from the recently orphaned to street child seems quick, and one has to wonder why the gang simply did not set up residence in Australia's now empty apartment. I guess it's because they thought it was haunted. And the adults here are thinly drawn, caricatures of gang members, given none of the depth of the youthful cast. But these are simply nitpickings. Tigers are not afraid is a magical experience, combining genres in a tight and thought-provoking tale, a dark fairy tale that highlights a real modern tragedy. So there we have it, two Mexican films that I think are worthy of your time and attention. One from a creator who seems to have already conquered the cinematic world, the other from a fresher face that I'm sure will continue to get the recognition opportunities her talent deserves. And here ends the first season of the Guelo Ramblings World Tour. I hope you've enjoyed our first year together, and rest assured it will be back in the new year. You should now be able to find the page for the podcast on Facebook. Just search for Guelo Ramblings World Tour or look in the episode description. If you want to contact the show, give feedback or maybe tell you about your favourite Mexican film or suggest something for a future episode, feel free to contact me there or via email on thingsfallapart at hotmail.co.uk And if you're listening on Anchor, feel free to drop the show a voicemail. For now though, 
let me thank you for joining me these last 12 months and I hope to talk to you all soon in 2020.